listening to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. On this episode of Knowing Now Radio, I'm delighted to introduce Cathy Hoy. Now, you've probably seen lots of great articles coming out from Cathy. She's prolific in her writing. She's a very popular speaker on the circuit. Um, and she's director and founder of Learning Bar, previously was senior L&D manager at Coca-Cola European Partners, as well as a huge amount of experience in the retail FMCG space. Um, so, Cathy, thank you so much for joining us on Learning Now Radio. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much. So, Cathy, the reason why I reached out to you is I read a recent post that you had focused uh, around the topic of the role of the line manager in really propelling and increasing an environment of learning and continuous development. And it's something that comes up um, so many times when you talk to professionals in the learning development space saying, you know, if only we could get the backing of learning development. There's lots of talk about getting the ear of the board, but that line manager piece in an organisation is critical. But I wanted to start with one question, and I apologise because it's a bit of a tricky one, but I think it's quite important. As an L&D professional, what influence do we have on the line manager? I'm not sure about influence. I mean, I, I, I certainly believe, you know, within L&D, um, we have a responsibility uh, to support line managers. And I guess for me, make sure they are completely equipped uh, to do the job that we're asking them to do. Um, and I really feel that there's uh, there's often a shortfall there. Um, I think, you know, we, well, typically in, in learning and development you know, it's often banded around that, you know, 70% of learning should happen on the job. But but I actually really see many people looking at what that really means. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, the line manager. So I, I do think it's our responsibility to to sort of better equip them to enable them to do that. How do we demonstrate our relevance to the line manager so that they will engage in a conversation around creating a learning environment? Um, I think we need to, you know, really demonstrate why a, a sort of culture of learning or, or having a, a learning environment at work is important. Um, and I think, you know, probably focusing on on some of the core things that having a culture of learning can can really achieve or, or help you achieve. I think one of those things is is really kind of creating a great sense of, of sort of ownership or accountability at an individual level, you know, for people's own performance. Um, it, you know, I think that it enables people to be uh, sort of better equipped to adapt, um, you know, adapt to change in, in organisations. Um, I guess, you, you know, you're, you're also there's a, a, a positive around um, people developing more of a, a sort of a development mindset or a growth mindset. Um, I think there are also, you know, other benefits like it, I, I guess it sort of supports more of a grow your own kind of talent um, as well. So, you know, there's more opportunity to develop internally. Um, so I, I think it's it's really about communicating all the the sort of benefits of of, um, of creating a culture of learning, really. And I think that's a really interesting point there, Cathy, in terms of demonstrating the benefits. Um, when you're working with your clients or when you've been working, obviously, as a, an internal learning and development professional in the organisations that you've worked with, What's kind of really resonated with them in terms of the benefits? What sort of things are line managers struggling with where 
they kind of have the light bulb moment, I suppose, in terms of, all oh, right, we do need to be sort of custodians of a, as you say, of a growth mindset, of a, of a um, continuous development approach to work. Mm. I think I think really what I what I've seen the thing that really when you're working particularly you know within the business and I noticed this a lot um, probably in my last role internally which was with um, uh, Coca-Cola European Partners um, but I'm noticing it even more now um, you know as a as a sort of external is when you're working with I, I guess the business directly and so you're probably you know out of that kind of I suppose I could call it like an HR bubble I think when you're really working with the business and you're working with line managers you realize that ultimately you know people are looking to create more productive teams and you know the more productive we all are at work then ultimately that's going to have a positive impact on the bottom line of the business which is what we should all be focusing on well and i think that's key isn't it it's that you know we talk about business impact so much but it really is getting to the heart of where is our ability our ability to deliver or our ability to perform against those objectives being compromised and and so often it is around skills development i mean have you seen any examples kathy where you have really seen the benefits the fruits of your labor in terms of engaging with the line managers sort of something quite concrete in terms of well they did this and this was the outcome um i think it's probably more um probably more at a kind of general level rather than specific i think it's it's very although i'm i'm starting to see sort of more of it now actually as a as a consultant but i think internally you know you're it's not just the line managers that are pulled and pushed around in all sorts of directions it's also sort of the lnd teams you don't often get the opportunity to kind of reflect and look back on on you know sort of learning interventions to see how successful they were i think it's it's very infrequent you get the opportunity actually um, but certainly, uh, you know, equipping managers with simple tools, actually, just like kind of the skills to coach their team um, or the skills to actually give proper feedback, making it really constructive and actually linking that feedback back to the overall kind of goals uh, at an individual level, at a business level. Um, you know, and actually seeing managers learn from that and realising that, you know, they can now have those kind of productive conversations with their team. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of that and that's um, that's really rewarding to see. And, you know, you start seeing that change of behaviour or managers start speaking to their teams about development opportunities, you know, in any opportunity they can. So in a, in a I don't know, five minute team huddle or in a, you know, a longer extended team meeting, they actually factor in development conversations. Um, and I think that that starts to make a real a real difference. And one of the things that I've certainly, I think, witnessed uh, in my time within sort of large corporates is that there's often the desire from line managers to develop exactly the skills that you're discussing in terms of being more collaborative, being more facilitative. Often an organisation will talk about, you know, we would like our leaders to be coaches. But there is often a disconnect in terms of the line manager's Know, almost literal job description of these are things for which you are accountable these are things that we are going to measure you against and it doesn't account for that kind of work and that kind of role and I'm just wondering you know whether whether you'd seen that and experienced that as well or, or whether you have sort of seen opportunities where perhaps those are responsible for those job families and those job descriptions and the objectives have have worked together because for me I, I often see the kind of with the best will in the world that is often a blocker where it's, you know, I would love to do what you're talking about, Kathy. This all sounds, you know, it, intuitively it sounds right. Practically in terms of delivering on our business objectives, it sounds right. But it's not what I'm being measured against. 
Yes, uh, I, I have seen that. And I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think ultimately it does come down to what you're being measured against. And well, actually further than that, it's, it's what you're being rewarded uh, with, really. And people generally will do the things that they know they're going to be rewarded for. Um, so I, I, I do think that can be that can be quite a uh, quite an issue, actually. It can be really conflicting. Um, but I also think, you know, managers just have very little time. Um, you know, there's so much else that they have to do. And I I think it's about reframing the job, really, of the line manager. Um, and actually, you know, for me, a line manager's there to really develop their team, bring on their team, grow their team. You know, and the, the more productive and effective their team can be, then, you know, the easier ultimately their job will be. I don't think it's a, you know, a quick thing, though. And I, I think that's that's probably part of the problem. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a sort of long term investment in developing and growing their teams. Um, so I, I, I do think Helen D need to do more to, I guess, kind of help managers feel comfortable with that, but also communicate, you know, why they need to do it, because ultimately it should sort of help them uh, more going forward. And I suppose more broadly then, Cathy, you know, with this kind of advisory role, with this, you know, I suppose expert ear or consultant role into the business, again, that's a topic that comes up very frequently. And I'd love to get your experience with the types of organisations that you've worked with over the years. I'd love to sort of, you know, pick your brains in terms of how did you get close to the business? How did you embed learning and development and kind of build that trust and build that um, respect, I suppose, as a profession internally? Um, I think I think one of the one of the things, actually, and that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I'm very passionate about um, learning and development as a function, um, being very clear on their brand. Um, and I don't just mean, you know, what their logos and colour schemes are, but actually, you know, really, what are the values of the learning and development team? How do you want to be seen? Uh, what do you want learning to be seen as in the organisation? And really make a conscious decision um, about all of those things and just make sure that you, you you know, you sort of live and breathe it. So people start to think of of learning as you know, something that they want to do. It's not something that's being pushed on them. Um, and I, I do think how the learning and development team comes across uh, in all of their communications is really, really important for sort of setting the tone. Um, and then I think, you know, outside of that, it's it's about really spending time with key stakeholders in the business and putting yourself in their shoes, understanding their world, finding out really what's important to them, what keeps them awake at night. You know, if I'm helping the, the commercial team um, and, you know, really, ultimately, I should be speaking to the commercial director and saying, you know, what keeps you awake at night? Um, and then how can we, you know, how can we help there? Um, and really making sure that, the, you know, that solutions uh, or suggested improvements or solutions are kind of, I guess, created jointly, really, with the business. It's not a case of, of L&D saying, here we go. We think this needs to happen. Crack on. It's actually coming up with that kind of solution together, really, um, and, and being more of a, a support, a support function. And Cathy, I have to apologise because you're inspiring me to ask some really meaty questions or really tricky questions. But it's really made me think about, particularly with somebody like yourself that has such a depth of experience internally, but is now doing consultancy with a lot, again, with a lot of really large organisations. Here's a tricky one for you. What do you think the internal learning and development profession can do when they are embedded within the organisation? But what advantages do you think there are as well of having that external voice and expertise 
work alongside because I think often it's almost never the twain shall meet is we either have an internal learning development department or we bring in some outside consultants to do some work and I I, like most things in life I don't think it's as straightforward as that that there is a a combination and I'd love for something like yourself that's really you know got a rich experience on both sides of the fence what do you think both perspectives bring to an organisation? Yeah, that is a really good question. So I, th- I suppose, I mean, for me internally, um, you know, we really should be focusing on uh, kind of, the, well, I suppose, firstly, you're understanding the business. So you should really understand what all of your stakeholders need. And I think that's that's kind of really key. And obviously, any internal team is going to understand their business more than, than anyone external coming into the organisation. Um, and they're going to have a very different view on the business. So I think that's that's certainly incredibly important. Um, I think as well, focusing on, you know, the, the sort of fundamentals uh, of making sure that there is a great learning environment in place. So, you know, creating that environment or helping to create that environment, leading uh, any sort of changes that need to be made, uh, you know, like equipping the line managers. Um, but but also actually, you know, enabling sort of small things like how can people share learning? So, you know, maybe uh, internal learning and development team might take the initiative to um, introduce an enterprise social network and you know enable the organization to talk about what they're learning and share learning um, through you know different medium um, I, th- I think it's it's sort of at that kind of fundamentals level and I think from an external perspective um, what you're doing is bringing in new ideas and you're bringing in maybe um, benchmark data uh, you're bringing stories of what other organizations are doing because sometimes internally whilst we all try and look at at what's going on outside often you know we don't really set aside the right amount of time to do that so sometimes you know you need to bring in an external consultant to say well do you know what I've been working with an organization and they're doing this and it's working brilliantly or have you read the latest report on x y and z and it just I think brings a a different lens uh, I guess into the business. So if you were to get your crystal ball out then for 2018-2019 what do you think the learning and development functions and of course it's going to change depending on the size of the organization but let's focus on a sort of larger private or public sector organization what do you think the sort of shape and feel and scope of the learning and development department is likely to look like i I find that hard to answer actually because i've i've seen so many different um internal learning and development teams actually um, and I think different businesses facing different challenges um, I, I do think that you know L&D professionals need to look more externally I think they need to think about you know their own development more um, and you know really invest in their own development I think they need to have a I suppose get probably closer to the business um, really consider what you know, digital interventions um, they could be looking at, uh, you know, g- given that, that we're looking at um, a world very soon where you're, we're probably going to be having sort of four generations um, of people working together. You know, we really need to understand what kind of these personalised learning journeys are going to look like because it's not going to be a one size fits all. Um, and I think we all need to be quite mindful of that. And, and how can we make sure that people's learning experiences are, are fully connected, but they're not just connected to individual performance, they're connected to business performance as well. Um, and people really understand that link. I think, yeah, I, I suppose there's there's probably a lot of um, a lot of change. I, I don't, I can't, yeah, I don't feel I can sort of answer that um, generically. And is that what you tend to see in your practice, Kathy? That and, and it doesn't surprise me at all that sort of each 
client is really it's not even discreetly is really fundamentally different because of their context uh are you finding that the work that you're doing is really quite varied yeah really varied and i think you know the more i guess the word is probably traditional the more traditional the organization um you know you have completely different challenges so you might walk into a one organization actually people are very excited about you know making sure that they've got moment of need learning and we're embracing everything from you know mobile first you know micro learning uh, sort of interventions through to you know exploring what where they can utilize ai and then you you walk into another organization and actually you know you realize the culture is so different you, you really what we're doing is at that point is still looking at how can we how can we i don't know develop um sort of shorter face-to-face classroom sessions you know that there are no internal learning management systems or they're not you know properly integrated um there are no digital solutions uh the capability just just sort of isn't there internally and i think you, you just got a completely different uh different sort of set of of skills to work with um and, and develop really and I, I think it sort of poses the question do, do that do those departments need to go through the same journey that maybe the more advanced departments have or actually is there kind of a you know a, more of a shortcut now which is is pretty much okay let's throw out what we've got and start completely from scratch um but then again that's you know complicated as well because that's that's quite a big thing for the for the business and um and kind of landing that successfully it's interesting though i think certainly my experience as well kathy actually uh, you know quite often you get approached by organizations saying we we must be so far behind the curve you know we're sure that everybody must be way ahead of us and actually in, in many situations you almost breathe a sigh of relief of right well we can start without any baggage (laughs) we can really look at this afresh and look at it objectively rather than having to unpick some of the things that have come before it yeah no I, i absolutely i think i think it would be great actually to to sort of be in that position i mean i've often in you know in past roles sort of thought actually you know could we just sort of press a button and start over um but it's you know and it's it's also difficult it's managing the expectations for the business it's also changing people's views from you know what they're used to to you know what we want to do going forward um and it's just not as easy as that and, and particularly some of the organizations i've worked for are, are massive um you know you're talking sort of hundreds of thousands of people it's it's not a quick uh, a quick change to do to do anything really no it isn't and i think what's interesting is some of the lessons really that could be learned from the technology practice in organizations um obviously the majority are moving over to um, agile methodology so you're looking at you know very quick short releases try and test you can reverse if you need to and it's interesting when i think about the kind of the ways in which we look at sort of talent and people development and leadership development that quite often these are really substantial long-term programs that you're right do have a lot of you know a lot at stake often from a reputation perspective and just literally money you know often there's there's a lot uh, riding on that particular project and i just wonder whether we'll see in 2018 2019 Will we see a more confident learning and development profession that are more comfortable with that experimentation and that sort of rapid prototyping? Mm, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, interesting question. Interesting thought. Um, yeah, and I, I guess it, it, it is going to come down a lot to the, the you know the culture that exists already in the organisation, and you know, are people, I suppose, allowed uh, to you know experiment? Are people allowed to to sort of practice with things and 
you know, it's almost with the whole developing a culture of, of, of learning, you know, are people allowed to learn? Well, actually, L&D need permission to sort of make some mistakes as well uh, and learn from those and, and sort of try new things. But, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Cathy, to sort of finish off, what's really exciting you then for 2018, 2019? What are you interested to kind of get your teeth stuck into? Uh, wow, lots of things actually. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm really excited about um, exploring different possibilities around enabling, uh, I guess, more of the sort of moment of need learning. So uh, I've been working with some, you know, some great companies uh, at the moment as well, and par- partnering with them to look at some great digital solutions for learning apps and micro learning. And I think actually being able to create um, properly integrated learning journeys rather than just sort of standalone um, learning solutions, uh, whether that be a piece of e-learning, a piece of classroom training, but a fully a fully sort of blended solution. And, and that's actually really quite exciting. And to know that it's it's a long term thing. So, you know, rather than just sort of saying, well, there's a two day programme to attend. Actually, it's it's look, you know, you're, you're going to sort of embark on this six to eight month uh, journey of learning. And, you know, you're going to be experiencing all these different things and, and actually please, you know, feel free to, to learn in your own time and, and actually let's let's share, let's make mistakes, let's learn from those. And, you know, that sort of, of way of working and, and learning is 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 really exciting. But yeah, particularly around the, the sort of digital aspects, I guess I'm, I'm quite excited. Excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing lots more stories and you sharing lots more lessons learned from that work that you're going to be doing in 2018-19, Cathy. Um, and thank you so much for joining us on Learning Now Radio. Thanks, Lisa. Learning Now Radio. All the best news, reviews and interviews. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I hope you found some useful takeaways to jot down and use back at work. And please remember to share Learning Now Radio with your work colleagues, your Twitter followers and, of course, your Facebook friends. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Learning Now Radio. Please help us to spread the word by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. And Lisa and I look forward to you joining us in two weeks' time.